0: And will
1: and welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Carolina Sikorska. I'm a sales manager at InfoTrack, and I'm the host for this episode, which is being recorded on location at Legal Week 2024 in New York City. Joining me now, I have Ilan Hirsch. He hosted a Legal Week session today on meeting the data demands of litigation. Welcome.
0: Thank you. Good to be here.
1: Before we get into our discussion and some questions I have for you, I uh, would love for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself. Where do you work and what do you do, Elon?
0: Sure. So I'm a partner at Ackerman LLP in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, I was a litigation attorney for about eight years. All the while, I managed the electronic discovery work uh, of the practices that I worked with. And in about 2018, I pitched the firm on creating uh, an e-data group. Uh, which would kind of harness the size and breadth of our our large litigation base to uh, capture some of the e-discovery work that we were sending outside the firm so that we could keep it inside the firm and have better supervision and keep that work within the firm. And um, the firm uh, fortunately embraced that idea. And fast forward to today, we've got a team of uh, 12 people um, and we handle all of the e data work for the firm and increasingly uh, support outside companies and law firms as well.
1: Amazing. So, I have a few questions for you that are going to be related to the session you are a part of today. So, what tools do you use at your firm to manage data?
0: Sure. So if you think about the electronic discovery reference model, the different phases, we start at the beginning with the preservation. And when it comes to preservation, we don't really use a specific tool for that. Uh, We make sure to get our litigation hold letters out early and to all the key custodians. We follow up with them periodically to remind them of their ongoing uh, obligation to preserve relevant data. But then moving to the collection phase, we use a number of different tools for data collection. We're very excited about a a new tool that allows us to collect from mobile phones without taking the whole phone. We get a lot of concern from from clients and custodians that um, when we have to collect their whole phone, uh, if they're using a personal phone for business purposes. So we're using a new tool that allows us to target specific uh, technology, specific data, excuse me, on the phone um, without capturing the full phone. That's called Mode 1. Um, we use that for, for collections. We also use Celebrate for data collection for, for mobile phones. And then moving on to uh, processing, we use uh, Relativity 1 for our, our main processing tool. We also use Disco. And we use that for culling and analytics and document review and, and production. We also use a tool called Trial Director for presentation. And those are the main main tools that we use.
1: Excellent. Thank you for sharing. So follow-up question on that. What are some of the unique issues that come up when dealing with large volumes of data versus smaller ones?
0: Well, uh, when you're dealing with large volumes of data, you're going to encounter larger costs than uh, smaller volumes. Oftentimes in this industry, data uh, e-discovery services are charged on a per gigabyte basis. So Mm -hmm. the more data you have, the more costly it is. With our group we do not charge a per gigabyte fee for data processing and so there's we're able to pass along savings to our clients there so you're going to deal with increased costs you're going to deal with increased turnaround time to to process such large data volumes and the larger the data sets are the more likely you're going to encounter data corruption issues uh, you know problems with uh, password protected files uh, and other kind of exceptions we call them in the industry. So that's something to be aware of. Um, and just the t- the overall turnaround time on processing and loading data is uh, it takes longer. Um, mm-hmm. So case teams should be aware that when you're dealing with you know hundreds of gigabytes or terabytes, it could take you know it can take significantly longer than if you're dealing with just a few gigs of data.
1: Sure. And when looking at some of the new types of data, what are some of the new types of data that are being encountered in litigation?
0: The main one that we are seeing and that I think people in the industry are talking about are uh, collaboration tool data, data from Slack, data from mm-hmm. Teams, Hangout, Google Hangouts. And the, the issue there is that that data may not live altogether in the environment in which it exists. So uh, message data may be separate and live at a different different location than attachments. So you really need to know what you're doing when you collect collaboration data, the so-called modern attachments. You might have a link to a document, and if you're looking at that document in a review platform, you're gonna assume that the link to the document is the next document in the sequence of documents, but if it wasn't properly collected, you'll, you'll click on that link or you'll go to the next document and it won't be there, and that can present problems for, uh, for the case team.
1: Okay. So I had a follow-up question really around ethical responsibilities when dealing and using um, outside vendors. So when working with a vendor or outside firm for data management, how do you partner with them to make sure that you meet the expectations of your client?
0: Yeah, so we do work very closely uh, with a service provider. And one of the reasons we do that is because they give us a certain depth of experience and resources that we wouldn't otherwise have. So if you think of a sports team, you know, they're, they're pursuing a common objective mm-hmm. uh, to score a point. And, you know, we kind of look at it the same way within the Akram data Services Group. Um, they provide certain specialization that we might not have on our team. For example, an analytics expert, a TAR expert. Or you know, probably coming down the, the road, a, a generative AI expert, somebody that specializes in prompt engineering, we would rely on somebody like that, uh, or uh, a forensics uh, expert uh, to analyze uh, and parse data from a forensic collection. Um, and overall, when working with that partner, we we provide um, kind of a full package, and kind of you know are able to scale our our group in ways that we wouldn't otherwise be able to do if we didn't have that partner working with us. So I think from the client perspective it it, it provides a comprehensive package that we can handle kind of any e-discovery case no matter the size by kind of partnering with our, our service provider.
1: Great. Thanks Elon for sharing that. Final question for you looking into the future where do you think litigation and e-discovery will go with generative AI in the next five years?
0: Yeah, so this is uh, all the buzz right now. And for for good reason, you know, I've seen a number of demos that look very impressive uh, when it comes to generative AI. We've taken the position, kind of a wait and see position, a little, being a little more cautious about generative AI. We have some concerns about confidentiality, intellectual property, data security, and I think a lot of the big firms do. But we, we do think, uh, or at least I think, that when it becomes more of a, the mainstream adoption that it's going to revolutionize the practice of law right down from drafting an email to scheduling a, a calendar invitation to helping predict how a judge is going to rule uh, in a particular mm-hmm. case or what precedent would be applicable to a particular fact scenario there's so many different use cases and in particular with respect to the discovery world just being able to ask the chatbot or Ask um, a generative AI tool about a large corpus of data without having to review it all. I think that's an exciting prospect. Uh, it's going to make lawyers much more uh, efficient, going to reduce costs, and it's going to make people who are who specialize in AI and e-data, you know, have job stability. And I think uh, it's a very exciting time for to, to be a a techno lawyer and in this field.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Elan, thank you so much for answering some of those questions to give us a little bit more insight on the data demands of litigation. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of the road for this episode. I want to thank Elon Hirsch for joining us today. If our listeners have questions or wish to follow up, how can they reach you?
0: Uh, they can reach me at Elon, Elan E-L-A-N, period, Hirsch, H-E-R-S-H, at Ackerman, dot com. At Ackerman.com. I'd be happy to uh, respond to any any, any inquiries and uh, they can also reach me on LinkedIn.
1: Perfect. Also, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcasting app. Until next time, I'm Carolina Sikorska and you've been listening on the road with Legal Talk Network.
0: If you'd like more information about what you have heard today, please visit legaltalknetwork.com.